verse for today and for this week comes out of Deuteronomy 32 4 and uh, it has to do with uh, God's justice and we're working through these with uh, God's plan for salvation in the message let's say it together he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are judgment a God of truth and without iniquity just and right is he Deuteronomy 32.4. All right, I believe that is all I need to share at this time. If our ushers would come, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Let's sing hymn number 348, Redeemed. Redeemer, I 
Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Open to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter in chapter 1. I've entitled this message, A Lively Hope Through a Resurrected Savior. 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read verse 3. And if you're able to, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father, we come to you this evening and and we ask that you would guide and direct through this message. Lord, we have a very exciting truth here. We have something that, that is just beyond our imagination. And we want to rejoice in that. We want to learn from this. And Father, I pray that you would use this to encourage each and every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to the scripture, is a very exciting truth for the believers. Whether you be there in the first century or whether it is for today, could you imagine having lived when the disciples lived and going through the emotional despair of thinking all is lost and on the morning of the third day, he is risen. An empty tomb, an empty grave. And, uh, you know, the, the message comes back by the women. And unfortunately, the guys didn't believe the women. They thought they were just emotional. I don't know why they would think that, but for whatever reason, they, 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 uh, they go back and they look and they are stunned by all of this. It's an empty tomb. And I like the neatness of our Lord because one of the grave clothes is just folded. It wasn't just plopped on the floor. It was folded and laid there. The tomb, the stone had been rolled away, not so he could get out, but so we could all see that he had risen. And what a glorious thing. Do you know, we as believers, as Christians, we have a special day. We have a special truth. No other religion around the world or from the beginning of time has. Because all the other religions, their leaders are dead and still in the grave. It is only the, the, the Christ of the Bible, it is only the Christian faith that we can celebrate, that we can be excited, that we can be delighted and rejoice in a risen Savior. That sets everything apart. Now, as Peter records here in our passage, we as believers have a lively hope. And the reason we have a lively hope for whatever hope we have and for all of the hope we have, and we have a lot, it is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, do understand this. 
Everything else in the Bible is absolutely moot. Everything else in the Bible really loses its value. Now, I realize that there's some good principles that that any society would be good to have. There's good, good uh, uh, ethics and morals and 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 uh, good principles, but beyond that, everything else would simply be moot if Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave. And so, with this, we understand we have a lively hope, and we have this lively hope. All that the Bible <coughs> talks about when it comes to hope would be moot if we did not have a resurrected Savior. And so what a wonderful thing that is. And the Bible says a great deal about hope. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You go a little further into that chapter, verse 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And not only that, and abound in hope. Isn't it marvelous that we don't have a stingy God? All of the, well, actually everything he does, he does in abundance. Whether it be his justice or whether it be his grace. Whether it be the punishment or whether it be the goodness. He, the, the psalmist says, he daily loadeth us, loadeth us, try to say that one twice, with his benefits. God is not a stingy God. He's a benevolent God. He's a very generous God. And when it comes to hope, it's not that you just have a glimmer of hope, but we can abound in hope. And so I want to focus in this message upon our hope and what it means to us today. So let me begin by defining what we mean by hope. And uh, definitions are important. There can be a lot of definitions of of what somebody means by hope. I want to make it clear what I mean when we're talking about biblical hope that you and I as believers may have. It's not a maybe. It's not a might happen. It's kind of like, uh, well, maybe we'll get a day without wind between here and Cheyenne. That might not happen. But it is a confident assurance, believing there is no chance of failure or disappointment. Now, when we talk about this type of confidence that defines our hope, this confidence is not rooted in the spirit of the athletic, arrogant, self-confident assertiveness, but it is the assurance in the undeniable truth of the living Word of God. In verse 23 of this same chapter, Peter wrote, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so it is an undeniable truth that we can rest assured our hope and our confidence. Now, talking about hope and confidence, we're towards the end of March Madness. I don't know exactly how many basketball teams are in the original brackets. I've never filled one of those out. I've never followed any of that close enough to do any good with that. And it sounds like this year, those that have followed it probably have not done well because low-seated teams are winning. (laughs) 
and all the top-seeded teams are losing. But do you know what? Whether it's 64 or I'm not sure how many it is, I would presume all of them started with some hope of making it to the final championship. But that was just a hope maybe. And for, and for a lot of them, it was a long shot, hope maybe. For some of them, they were much more confident and arrogant about it, like, we will be there, and they're not. You know, we're not talking about this type of a hope. We are talking about a hope that cannot fail, that we have that kind of an assurance with. Our living hope is not only rooted in the living word, but knowing that it is an undefeatable hope which Christ won the victory over sin, death, and the grave when he rose from the dead on the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 declares that, beginning with verse 54. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm sure there were those that opposed Jesus Christ, that when he was in the grave, they hoped he would stay there. There were those that had hoped that he wouldn't die. There were those undoubtedly that hoped that it wasn't for real. And I'm sure there was some wavering hope. There was some despairing, whatever it was. And some would say that the devil thought he had gotten victory over Jesus Christ and he was going to be able to rule forever. But then on the appointed time, the stone rolled away and hope became reality and Jesus came out of the grave. And so we have uh, that hope. And so whatever enemy that was the, the strongest of enemies of our hope in Jesus Christ has been defeated and has been defeated once for all. And so it is an undefeatable hope going back to the basketball tournaments and all of that every team is defeatable and I think they have all been defeated at least one or more times but with Jesus Christ and our hope he is truly undefeatable he has won the victory forever so as believers, we have this lively hope. That word lively is an old English word that means alive and living. And the life that it has is associated with the eternal life of Jesus Christ. It is a lively hope that is promised by God, explained in the scriptures, gives peace and comfort. It abounds and abounds and is also called the blessed hope all of which was secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to give some answers as to what does that mean to us today. You see, 
This is a marvelous truth. But does it mean anything for today? How does it help us today? Folks, we're living in desperate times. Our country is probably as divided as it has ever been. Our economy is probably as fragile as it's ever been. Security in our country is probably as fragile as it has ever been. And folks, we need hope. This world isn't going to give it to you. I don't care which side of the political scene you you stand on or who you think should or should not be president, but even the greatest of men cannot secure solid hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and rightfully placed. And so I want to take the next few minutes to show you from God's Word and from this passage what our lively hope means to us today. First, our lively hope gives us something to look forward to. And that's an inheritance. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about uh, how he has given us a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Do you have your reservation? From time to time, I've attended a a restaurant for a meal, and I have been confronted at the door, do you have a reservation? And I have to say, well, no, I didn't make a reservation. Well, we're sorry, we cannot serve you tonight. We need to have a reservation in heaven, and we have that through saving faith. When we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ, He gives us that reservation in heaven. And so it's reserved for us. But going beyond that, Romans 8, verse 16 and 17 tells us how we are now a child of God when we become a believer in Christ. And not only are we a children of God, but we become joint heirs with Christ. And so he uses the concept of how we're going to have an inheritance. Becoming a child of God reminds me of this little saying that uh, I recently read. The gospel message can change heaven's courtroom from a criminal trial to an adoption hearing. Isn't that a marvelous thought? We're adopted. We're a part of the family. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And what about this inheritance? You know, uh, die, they leave their estate, there may be some funds or assets or whatever there, but by the time the hospitals and the medical bills and the nursing homes and all of the bills take their share, you might have enough to buy a hamburger. Who knows what? There's nothing guaranteed with those inheritances, but this is a guaranteed inheritance, and we have this hope. It says that it's incorruptible. It is non-destructible. No rust, no moth, no germ, no fire can touch it. Nothing can destroy this inheritance. It's recorded, it's secured in heaven, 
never to be lost, never to be undiscovered, but it's there and it can never be destroyed. I read about an individual who had been uh, willed a beautiful southern home. I believe it was in Louisiana, one of those big, beautiful plantation homes. And the homeowner had willed it to a particular individual. But unfortunately, the day the homeowner died, the house burnt to the ground. You know what? Our inheritance is indestructible. It'll never be destroyed. It also says there, not only is it incorruptible, but undefiled. It won't stain. It won't lose its value. It won't be legally violated. It won't be contested in court. It's not corrupted by its wordage or anything like that. It is absolutely an undefiled inheritance that we will get. And it says that it fadeth not away. And here we're talking about our hope and what God has for us in the future. It's a hope and a value that will never diminish with the passing of time. If there's one thing that can test a hope, it's time. For the military guys, the longer you're in the foxhole in the middle of a bombardment and waiting for reinforcements to get there, the longer you're there, hope will begin to diminish, thinking that reinforcements will never get there in time. And the longer you're there, hope begins to diminish. The longer you have a terminal illness and then waiting for doctors to find a, a, a solution and a medical uh, remedy or whatever it is, the longer you wait, the worse it gets and hope begins to fade that there will be nothing there to help you. They say, uh, and we have a real problem in our country right now. It is a plague. But the kidnapping and, and uh, uh, capturing of particularly young people, they say the longer you go after the kidnapping, hope diminishes in finding them well, let alone alive. You see, in almost every other case, hope fades as time passes. But with this lively hope, it is an eternal hope. It doesn't fade. It just gets brighter and more precious and more wonderful. He has promised us, and, and in our inheritance, let me talk about what's in, in his will, what's in, in his inheritance. John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself. And, and he says, in my father's house are many mansions. And with many mansions, aren't you glad there's no dust in heaven? You don't have to clean them. <laughs> but... But he has a home prepared for us. This inheritance not only includes a home, but a home that's probably on a street paved with gold. Talks about streets of gold. 
It talks about a place where there's no sin and no sin curse. There's no death, no disease, and no tears and no sorrow. I'll take that inheritance any day. That's what he has promised us. And our hope becomes more precious as time passes. Our lively hope is secured by our living God. You know, it's one thing to make a promise. It's another thing to be able to keep it. It's one thing to say you're going to do something. It's another thing to be able to do it. There have been people who have made promises that made no intention of keeping their promises. Shame on them. But do you know there's a lot of people, there's, there's parents, there's spouses that have made promises that became impossible to keep for whatever reason. The best of intentions, the, 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 the deepest of heart, the greatest of desire. Sometimes it simply becomes impossible to keep a promise. But this promise of our inheritance and, and the assurance of the hope that you and I have It is secured by our living God. Verse 5, it says, who are kept by the power of God. That's how our living, our lively hope is kept. It's kept by the power of God. There is a big doctrinal word called omnipotent, meaning God is all-powerful. There is no other power greater than God. The reason that people cannot keep a promise is because something is beyond their power to do it. And there is nothing beyond God's power to keep him from keeping this hope and promise secure. Our lively hope is not secured by a bank that can fail. You can put your savings there. You can have whatever level of trust But I think it has become evident lately that banks can and do fail. It is not secured by a currency that can change, lose its value, or even disappear. Folks, we're living in a generation and in a time frame in America where there are some real concerning things that could happen. That may change, but our hope is a lively one secured by God. It will not fail. It is not secured by the laws of a land that can either be altered or fail. It is not secured by a human government that may rise or fall or change or or whatever may happen to it. It's not even secured by religious leaders. Our lively hope is secured and guaranteed by a living God that has all power and there is no power greater than His power and there is nothing to stop Him from being able to keep that. And so our lively hope was purchased by the blood of Christ. It was procured by His resurrection and it is preserved by the living and unchangeable God. And that's something else about this living God. He's unchangeable. I think it was Malachi that said, I'm a God that changeth not. And so when he makes a promise, in another place it says, I'm a God that cannot lie. And so we know he has not lied about this promise of a lively hope. And so when everything else fails, 
and everything else may seem desperate, as a believer in Christ, we have a lively hope that never diminishes in its beauty. Verses 6 and 8. Our lively hope is not only a cause for greatly rejoicing, but joy unspeakable. Verse 6 begins, wherein ye greatly rejoice. And you get down to verse 8, and the last part says, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The unspeakable means it's beyond our description, beyond our explanation. Within our lively joy, our lively hope, it gives us a joy. It is a cause for joy. I have learned, and and I work at my expression when people say, how are you today? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And I am rejoicing in the Lord. But do you know the goodness of God can put a joy that is beyond explanation? And so we have that kind of joy. This is not talking about the temporary praise service, but an unquenchable fountain of joy that flows from within by the Holy Spirit. This joy is not related to circumstances, but to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy to be delivered from the penalty and power of sin. You know, we should never get over the excitement and the delight and the joy of knowing that because we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, He has given us a full pardon and an inheritance. I'll tell you what, every time I think about hell, I rejoice in God's glorious salvation. We have had during our married life a couple of near-death escapes. One of them was in an automobile. We were T-boned by a three-quarter ton pickup when we were going about 50 miles an hour. It's one of those things we should have been knocked clear off the other edge and we would have went down a a, uh, side into a bar pit about like the one we pulled the girl out of uh, a couple of weeks ago it had that type of a drop off had we gone over after being hit we would have rolled how do you explain the joy of, of just shaking up your nerves and no injury the rejoicing that God has given it is, it is one that just flows from within. Like I said, it's not related to circumstances, but to our relationship with Christ. Delivered from the power and the penalty of sin. Just a joy to be a child of God. I had a, a pretty good family that I grew up in. Both dad and mom, Christians, very faithful to to attending church week after week, every time the church doors were open. We had godly principles in our home. And over the years, and, and, you know, in, in growing up, it wasn't until later in high school or even later, I did not know that men beat their wives. Because my daddy didn't. 
he was always gracious and kind to my mom. I didn't know that. Um, I had no idea what it would be like to try to grow up in a broken home. That is a unique challenge. I had no understanding of what it was like to be a child and have one of my parents die and have to grow up without a parent. And just out of a humble spirit, I I find a great joy in what God has given to me. But do you know what? I find a much greater joy in being a child of God. It supersedes anything that my home could have been and was. And so when we talk about this lively hope giving us a joy, it is a joy uh, in knowing that we are a child of God. It is a joy to have a future in heaven prepared for us. It is the joy that we can have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not simply a religion. It's not simply going to church and singing songs and and reading a Bible. But it is reading the Bible and knowing God and being able to pray to Him and, and having a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only that, in identifying with Jesus Christ in Acts 6, they said that it was joy to suffer for His name. This is something we really don't comprehend or understand. We've not had to suffer like that. That may be on the horizon. I do not know. But you see, our lively hope gives us a joy. Not only that we can rejoice, but a joy that is unspeakable beyond our comprehensions, regardless of the circumstances that we face in life. And circumstances can be good and circumstances can be bad. But this is what God has secured through the resurrection of His only begotten Son, a lively hope that gives us a joy. And then in verses 5 through 7, our lively hope is an anchor for the toughest of circumstances in life. You see, we have a hope that's not relative to circumstances, but we have a hope that stands solid and sterling through circumstances. And that's what he has given us. This is kind of a a human paradox. He talks about a lively hope, talks about great rejoice, greatly rejoice, and joy unspeakable, but it is all within the context of great trial and tribulation. Beginning with verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found with praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now stop and think about that putting these together if some if some man was to write the bible without the inspiration of the holy spirit i don't think they would put that kind of stuff in here 
They would not put these two things together. Because in our human thinking, we don't put joy and suffering together. But in this, he says, we can have joy that cannot be robbed, even in the midst of suffering in life. It's passages like this that help us to understand that there will be great trials in tribulation in this life. For some there will be more, for others there may be less. But through all of that, no matter how severe the trial, they do not diminish God's promises to us. Nor does it cause our hope in Him to fade. Now here's something that is interesting in here. In verse 6 it says, Though now for a season, if need be, Sometimes trials are needed. Because it's through trials that we grow stronger in our Lord. You see, the trials of our faith are opportunities to see the hand of God work in mighty and marvelous ways. Sometimes we face trials because we need them. And when we face those trials, it's not diminishing our hope, nor does it take away our joy. But sometimes our suffering may be needed by someone else. How serious are you about wanting someone else to get saved? Jim Elliott, this goes back many years ago, but Jim Elliott and his team of missionaries into Ecuador wanted to reach the Aku Indians. I think they were they were definitely hostile, maybe cannibalistic. I don't remember all of the conditions of that particular tribe. But they couldn't speak the language. They were trying to reach out to them. They flew down in there. They landed. They had all of their supplies. They had gifts for the tribe. And they wanted to try to reach them with the gospel. Only to be killed by the tribal people. All of them. Others came back in there to recover the bodies what they could, recover what they could. But Jim Elliott's wife never gave up praying for that tribe. Later, they went back in there and the very men, some of the very men that murdered the missionaries got saved. And it was because of the testimony of those missionaries. Sometimes our suffering is needed to reach someone else. And when we suffer, we should never allow that to diminish our hope. There's no reason to diminish it. God gives us no reason for that lively hope to ever be diminished. It's simply a matter of your perspective and your faith in God. It also says, talking about the uh, being tried as gold by fire. I heard uh, another little statement, read this, that the eastern goldsmiths early on, they would keep the gold in the fire and let it kind of puddle and, and simmer and puddle. And they knew it was clean enough when they could see their image in the gold. Do you know what? 
the Lord may be taking us through the trial of fire just long enough so His image can be reflected through us. That's, that's what we have here, and our hope need not diminish. While the trial may bring heaviness of heart, and it talks about the season and the sorrowness and the heaviness, but it never brings heaviness of our hope. It says they are manifold. That means there's a variety. It may be a little different for you than it is for me or for you than it is for you. Uh, There's a variety. We may face one kind one day and another kind in another year. But there's a (coughs) diversity of trials. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) That are there. But they're also only for a season. Which tells me that our God is in control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, we read, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Our God is in control. And He will allow you to be Tested, tried, to suffer, only to the extent that he will enable you to bear and then give a way of escape. So our lively hope is an anchor for the toughest of circumstances in life. I've read the testimonies uh, of, of men in communist countries that have been imprisoned and for years imprisoned and slandered and falsely accused, their only crime was being a Christian or a pastor. And they were slandered as spies and everything, and and they were so badly abused that they were beyond recognition. They never lost hope in Jesus Christ. What a testimony. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I have a lively hope that is provided by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, we could not have this, we would not have this, but because He did raise from the grave, we have it. What a blessing. No matter what we must face in these days or years to come, you and I as believers in Christ have this anchor. And I think there's some dark days ahead. But our hope will not get dark. It'll just shine brighter and brighter the darker it gets. This world can take many temporal things away from you, but it can never take the hope that gives you a joy that's unspeakable. While people around us may begin to despair with hopelessness, we have a lively hope that stands true and is protected and guarded by a living God. It is our hope in the resurrected Savior that gives us both purpose of life and strength to live it and to serve Him. God has given us a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. What a wonderful God. You know, sometimes we get to focusing too much on all that's bad. And folks, we just need to get back and focus 
on the goodness of God and what he has given us. Father, we come to you, and Lord, I pray that this message will be a help to each one. Father, if there is someone that is without Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that this would draw them to to saving faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then, Father, if there's a believer that's becoming fearful and and struggling and, and just even depressed, Lord, I pray that you would take this message from God's Word and God's promises and their they would experience and understand the lively hope that God has given. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
that grace appear the hour I first Cost of everything skyrocketing, including the cost of homes, cars, and education, making the need for more life insurance a necessity. Whether you're looking to purchase for the first time or you simply need to add to what you already have, I can help you. I'm Joey Jaquint with Northwestern Mutual, and we offer the best insurance plans in the country. U.S. News and World Reports just ranked us the best insurance company in the United States in 2022. From low-cost term insurance for those just starting out that started on $25 per month to our popular blended insurance that will actually pay you money at the end of the policy. You heard me right, an insurance policy that will actually pay you out if you don't use it. Why us? Because Northwestern Mutual is the best. We have plans where if you are just starting out, you can go with one of our low-cost term plans And as you grow financially, we can switch you into a blended plan five or ten years down the road as well to increase amounts and keep up with inflation. To find out more, call me, Joey Jaquin, at 602-909-9048. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. He's still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. 
the best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code. KHNC. And for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Use promo code KHNC. Visit MyPillow.com. The P.E. Gun Show, April 15th and 16th, will be located at 1840 Greeley Mall, Greeley, Colorado. The show has hundreds of vendors selling firearms, ammo, accessories, custom knives, food, gifts, and much more. With a $500 shopping spree giveaway on Saturday and Sunday, CCW classes, and food all weekend, it's the perfect way to spend the day. Buy, sell, or trade. See P.E.Shows.com for more info. That's P.E.Shows.com. See you at the show. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. J.D. the Colorado Deplorable here to tell you about Swamp Fight right here on AM 1360 KHNC Radio, Saturdays from noon to 1. Join me as we do battle in the D.C. Swamp. Hello, friends. This is Bradley Dean, show host for the Sons of Liberty. Join me on KHNC 1360 AM every weekday at 8 p.m., Saturdays at 5 to 7 p.m., and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 K.